The Unhealthy Scratch Podcast. All right, and welcome back to another edition of the Unhealthy Scratch Podcast. It's been a minute, but we are back, and the season is just around the corner. I got my dude, Sonny D, here joining me on the podcast. Sonny, it's been a couple of weeks. What's been going on in the old uh, Great White North there? Not too much. Training camp's underway. Uh, Jets are one of those ones where it's open and free, so you can kind of go and check it out all day, every day, if you want to, um, with, of course, co- various COVID regulations. But um, I've known some of my friends have taken their kids and stuff to watch. It's been pretty good. Um, other than that, not too much. We've kind of had a nice kind of get getting out of summer into fall weather up here. So can't complain. No, I can't complain. And no one would care if you did, right? <laughs> That's always the way it is. But uh, yeah, we're back again. Like I said, you know, we've got October 12th on the brain, two big matchups to start the season. You got Vegas and the Kraken, the, the, the two most recent expansion franchises. That game is going to be crazy in the Fortress. Uh, and then you have also the Lightning and the Penguins getting us started here for the opening of the season. Uh, in this episode, we are going to preview the Eastern Conference because, uh, you know, we got the Metro. We know we have a lot of, of good teams there in the Metro. Um, some teams that are up and coming, many people believe the New Jersey Devils are primed for a surprising season. I know we'll talk about that here in the show. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say uh, thank you to the sponsor, Eden's, Eden's Herbals. Uh, you can check them out on our link tree. If you go to our Twitter, at TUS uh, Hockey Pod, you click the, the link tree link there. When you get there, you can click the Eden's Herbals tab. If you use the promo code TUSPOD at checkout, you will get 15% off of your entire order. They do have everything CBD for you and your pets. They've got creams, they've got pills, they've got lifestyle products and supplements. They got it all. If you're a CBD kind of person, if that stuff helps you in life, Eden's Herbals is the place that you need to go. And once again, use the promo code TUSPOD for 15% off your entire order. No stipulations attached for that. It helps out the podcast uh, tremendously, and we greatly thank you for that. Now, I know we want to start with the Eastern Conference because our two favorite teams are in the Eastern Conference. That is the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that is the Washington Capitals. I know. How can a guy from Winnipeg be a Washington Capitals fan? But that's that's just the way it is, right, son? It is. It's a weird thing. We went a long time without the Jets. That's what happens. Ovechkin gets drafted before we get a hockey team back. <laughs> that's fair. We're going to talk about each of the 16 teams. You know, it's fun. We have 32 teams in the league now. It's kind of a nice little... I feel it like we're, we're balanced. I, I mean, I don't, I know there's some teams that uh, they're talking about either expansion or relocation. Sorry, not some teams, some cities. I know they've talked about Portland. They've talked about Quebec City. They've talked about Houston. They've talked about Kansas City. I think for right now, 32 teams, 32 franchises are, are okay. I know that Arizona, you know, they're in talks to stay in Arizona. If they, if they don't, then Houston. But 32, just the general number of 32 is the right number, in my opinion, for a long time. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know that we need any more before we become British soccer. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, I think that becomes the problem you run into. I think 32 creates a balance that it covers enough of the continent where everybody kind of feels included and represented. I mean, is there going to be push for some more Canadian teams? Possibly. But, I mean, I think the NHL could be good for another 10, 15 years before they'd have to consider something like that. 
Yeah, and I think they'd have to have every single market in a good spot. You know, we talk about this. They talk about it with the NBA. While the NBA is in a good spot as well, there are some teams in the NBA who are actually reporting losses, uh, you know, as yeah. far as general statements. So you can't really expand if you can't fix the current teams you have issues with now. I understand there's a big situation in Arizona. Obviously, this is their last year at Gila River Arena. But I'm hoping that there's this whole deal with Tempe and finding the land, that they can get a little closer to where the people are. Um, yeah. This could be good for Arizona. And I like, I like going down to Arizona for a couple games a year or when I can, or if the Lightning go down there, you can usually get cheap tickets and what have you. But um, all right, so we do have 16 teams. We have the Metropolitan. We have the Atlantic. We have the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, the Atlantic and Tampa Bay Lightning. A lot of people think, you know, three is very hard, and I 100% agree. But can they do it in the Atlantic? Well, we'll find out. We'll talk about that. You have the Islanders, the Capitals, the Flyers, the Rangers, the Devils, the Hurricanes, the Penguins. I think there's six solid teams that if they stay healthy and play better than their salary cap would give them credit for, they can win the Metropolitan Division. Yeah, the Metropolitan is one. I've been seeing a lot of um, of those opinion kind of Instagram accounts uh, when it comes to sports. And one of the pop uh, interesting ones that uh, people have been posting as an unpopular opinion is that Washington might find themselves on the outside looking in for the first time in a long time. Um, Washington and or Pittsburgh, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that Washington has really squared up that goaltending situation, which we kind of know to be their Achilles heel right now. Um, I mean, and we don't, you know, they're in a similar position as like the Chicago's, the Pittsburgh's, um, the Boston's. Is that course still enough to be a difference maker and to be a top six team in the league? Could be. Um, I've seen a lot of popular opinions, I, which I think is ridiculous, um, saying that Ovechkin won't even score 30 goals this year. I think Ovechkin's going to probably get over 40. He, I think he could put in another 50-goal season this year. Um, but, I mean, with that being said, that Metropolitan Division is tight. I think Rod Brindamore is due for a breakout season as head coach. Um, I think that could be a story in itself as he tries to put himself in that elite, kind of that second tier now kind of level of coach. I mean, if Carolina wins the cup, he kind of puts himself in that Tortorella kind of conversation. Not quite Quenville, not quite Cooper, as much as I hate to admit that. Um, but in that kind of conversation with the Torts. <laughs> and, uh, um, even like a Paul Maurice who's never won a cup, but that level of coach. I think the situation with Carolina, and that's a good place to kind of start here because we have 16 teams to talk about, even though we know some of them are not going to be competitive in these two, in these two divisions. Uh, we'll start with Carolina because they were the kind of the cream of the crop in that, uh, what did they call that? Division? <coughs> the, the central or whatever they call it. I think that. they called it. No, I think it wasn't. Yeah. What was it? Did they name it the Met? No. Cause we had the North. Right, I think it was like the Central or something or the South, one of those. Yeah, Central or South. But, um, you know, they kind of won that one with relative ease. We know that Tampa Bay kind of tried to just stay healthy and get to the playoffs. But uh, can you argue that – I mean, I know you guys liked Nedeljkovic. I'm not 100% sold on Alex Nedeljkovic. Either way, he's gone. He's in Detroit. And now you bring in a guy I absolutely have no faith in. It's Freddie yes. Anderson. It's Freddie Anderson here. So you have a young team, young nucleus. You have a you know budding stars. Dougie Hamilton walks. I'm, Carolina seems to me like one of those teams that also may find them 
So again, I think we got seven teams. Let's let's you know, thank you, Columbus, for showing up. Please pick up your parting gifts at the door. Yeah. But if Philadelphia can rebound, we got two New York squads. New York Rangers look to be more competitive, at least on paper. Um, if they've you know they kind of figured out their goalie situation, at least locked them down financially. Carolina, another one. I don't get the Frederick Anderson signing here. Yeah, the the Freddie Anderson to me. Anderson coming in and Hamilton leaving. I don't know that Carolina is better today than they were yesterday. Right. And for me, I think – I don't know that there was any team really when I look at that division who could afford to be taking steps backwards. And I don't think there was any team in that division that really could be like, yeah, we might be a little weaker today than we were yesterday, but we're still good enough. I, I think that division's so tight, especially with the teams that could be taking steps forward. You kind of find yourself in a situation there where they're like, well, if they've taken a step forward. They're already better than we were yesterday, no matter what. So we've taken a step back, meaning yesterday's team wasn't good enough. Today's team sure as hell isn't good enough. And it, it's probably the only division where you really have that breadth of competitiveness, um, in my opinion, across the entire league. And I think Carolina, that's why I said it, Rod Brindamore is going to be an interesting story. I don't think the Hurricanes as a team are going to be the interesting story. It's going to be what Rod Brindamore is able to bring out of that team because I do believe that the Hurricanes of today are worse than the Hurricanes of yesterday. Wow. I mean, that's, that's totally plausible. I mean, you look at the – their top two lines are going to be fine. Uh, they picked up Kotkiniemi and, and paid him $6 million. And yeah. what I would only classify, unless they absolutely loved him, I would only classify as an oops move. Yeah, it was a bluff. It was a bluff gone bad. How many yeah. times does somebody think their bluff is going to go through and they start to get ready to toss the cards? And then the player's like, oh, shit, no, I call. Like, let's see what those cards are. Wait a second. There's some value in seeing. I think Montreal was kind of like, wait a second, hold up. They're going to pay him that much. Well, they can't improve it. They lost Hamilton. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah we're good. We'll see how this goes. We still have $18 million to play with uh, uh, as a result of Mr. Weber and Price. So we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, I mean, I know it's only a one-year situation here, and he is a restricted free agent. But how do you go back to the negotiating table with Kakiniemi, especially if he does well? You never get that player back. Remember, that's what cost Colorado with Ryan O'Reilly. Um, right. He got offered the offer sheet by, like, Calgary or something, and Calgary fucked up the entire conference with that because Colorado's like, thanks. Right. Like, you, you didn't screw us this year, but you've screwed us from ever having him after this year. Like, fuck you. And I remember those are some very heated games, and I imagine because from organization to organization, it's a message. It's a business message. Right. And... Um, you know, that's so when you think he just paid six six million dollars for twenty points last year. Yeah, right. So I mean, you're never getting that player back. I don't think in this case it's the worst thing in the world. I mean, I don't see Kotkaniemi putting up a hundred point season. I don't see him putting no. up a sixty point season. So, I mean, he's not getting that from Carolina. So if he thinks, "Hey, I'm not even gonna get the same amount," he'll walk. So be it. But I think it's it, it can go badly. And and I always bring back the Ryan O'Reilly case because that is an, an exact example of a case of one team literally just fucking another team over. That's fair. Yeah. So yeah, looking in this one, they are projected to be one of the guys, one of the teams that are in the, uh, in the playoffs this season. Um, they had some moves, like you said, do we really, you know, feel like they had the best off season? I, I, I don't know, but um, 
they are projected to be up in that up in that metro. You look at the let's let's go into the metro here. You look at the Penguins, another aging core here, and this seems like the last run for Sullivan in the franchise. Not not that he'd be fired, but you know you have, um, you know you have Sid, you have um, Evgeny Malkin. So talk to me with this one. This one seems like the last situation to go through for these two guys, the guys that have brought prominence back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, not only that, they're probably not even going to start the season. I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, it comes down to how tight you are with someone off the ice. It comes down to how intertwined they are in your life. And, um, you know, to me, I think that that's really what's going to be indicative of what goes on here with Malkin and Crosby coming out of this season. If those guys aren't completely intertwined in each other's lives, you know, their kids are friends, their wives are friends, their best friends, they live next, you know, that kind of shit. If that isn't the case and they could be like, Hey man, it's been fucking awesome playing with you for the last 14 years, but you know what? Peace. See you later. It could be a very interesting time going into the next couple of years, watching those guys go elsewhere. Um, but I do believe, yeah, Pittsburgh has to make it their core has to make some tough decisions as a group. I think, yeah, I think there might've been some sentimentality to bring um, Flurry back. I think if they had had an opportunity to bring Flurry back, it could have created a kind of a chemistry where they could have all looked at each other and been like, guys, let's just, let's ride into the sunset together. We started it's together. Lightning in a bottle kind of, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been one of those things where they're just like, fuck it, let's do it. I mean, you look at Paul Korean team probably the most famous case of best friends in a, in, in a league together. I think those two guys would have done anything to finish their careers together. I mean, they signed for league minimums in Colorado just to play together. Right. Just to stack that Colorado team to try and win a cup together and uh, in turn um, finish careers together. Well, that's what I understand. It. it seemed like, and again, I don't know behind closed doors, it seemed like Pittsburgh never made – an attempt. And maybe that's because they like what they have in Yari and, and Casey DeSmith. I mean, uh, Casey DeSmith's 30 at this point. If he's not a starting goalie, like, do you really know what you have? Like, do you really feel like you have something with Casey DeSmith? Something that you can't have with a 37-year-old Marc-Andre Fleury? I agree with you. And I think that's kind of the interesting thing. And they could be one of those teams that's looking and hopefully keeping some space available to make that big move. Again, they find themselves in a contending position. Anaheim declares rebuild. I mean, there's a guy by the name of Gibson that looks like a, a stellar pickup. You're not going to tell me Gibson isn't a, uh, an upgrade over those two? Of course he is. But, you know, they, and we, I think. Do we really believe they have the cap space in that spot? I mean, you, at that point, you start to decide what's important, right? Is keeping Sid and Malkin in town and letting the rest of them fall where they may? You know, it's all those things. I think if you have Sid and Evgeny Malkin as your one-two centerman with John Gibson in that, you got a pretty good team. Doesn't matter who the rest of the lineup is. That's a pretty good team. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree with that. But I, I, I liken it back to the Flurry situation. I think in a situation where the the Vegas Golden Knights got absolutely nothing for Flurry, I think they would have been happy because here's the situation. I give you Casey DeSmith. You give me Mark Andre Flurry. I get a backup goalie in Vegas for one point two five million because I just spent two point two five on Laurent Brassois. What in the absolute flying? Lauren Brassois put up some great backup numbers. You hold your mouth there, my friend. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I, I think Lauren Brassois, because I think Lauren Brassois a backup, plays some relatively different, uh, difficult games. He plays Oiler games. 
I mean, anytime Drysdale and McDavid are your opponents, that's not an easy night. I understand that, but I mean, he's a—he's actually got a decent save percentage overall in, in, in career. But you give me twenty-eight, you give me twenty-nine-year-old, uh, basically going to be twenty-nine-year-old in the Squad over Casey DeSmith. I think it's potato tomato, and I end up getting another one point. You know, one. I agree. Dollars. I do agree with that analysis. I do agree with that. You've paid more for the situation. I do agree with that because I—I imagine Leonard. They're going to want Leonard in it for. 55, 60 games. So, anyways. I uh, imagine Robin Leonard wants to be playing 75% of the games. Right. So, I don't know. We'll see the situation here. But you're right. I mean, you have, you know, Jake Gensel. He's the up-and-coming star. I think they've got to let him try to shine. And if that means you don't see anything going down at the, at the you know, toward the end of the season here, I think, God forbid, one of, if not both of – I don't think they're ever going to trade Sid. But they may beg him to, to just maybe walk away. Yes, I think, I, and I mean, it could be a mutual decision. He goes only, to Mario. He's only thirty-four, though. That's the thing. He drives to Mario's house. They have dinner together. They share a few laughs. They split open a five hundred dollars bottle of scotch, and at the end of the day, they cry, they hug each other, and they know it's been a fun time. Sidney Crosby's made Mario Lemieux a very rich man, <laughs> um, a very rich man, and. Sometimes it's just the way it is. It, I, think, I think how we define any, it, it's funny. I, I was just talking to you know, one of my friends about this here, about the idea of how we define breakups. I mean, in any capacity has to change. There can't, there, we're in 2021 now. There has to be a way for grown men to get together and be like, hey, we've had a, it's been what it's been. Who the hell would have thought we would have made it even this long? Mario, thank you for everything. Uh, thank you, Sydney. You made me rich. And they go I love your separate. accent there, buddy. <laughs> and they go their separate ways. But yeah, and I don't disagree with that. And the situation is Evgeny, Sydney, Chris Letang, and Mario Lemieux may be the last of that breed. Can you see in 10 years Joe Sackick and Nathan McKinnon sitting down over Scotch and parting ways? I don't see that. I don't I, see that either. I, don't, I see I, that more in Sid and Evgeny and, and Chris Letang because – to me, looking at this roster, just based on pure opinion, now I'm not, you know, I'm not on the ice. I don't, you know, obviously they have to play the games. This team's not good overall. Uh, the they, only have, team, they have top-heavy players, but they're not good in my opinion. No, and I think the only other team that I think is going to be able to possibly have a little bit of that, and it would have been had they have kept Holtby, um, would have been Washington. I think there was a group of those guys that they kind of put together and made this kind of 2010s, Washington Capital run and have stuck together through it. I think there's a group there that could do that. But other than that, no, there aren't too many teams where they can say, hey, we were a group of superstars that stuck together and tried to make work. Maybe LA. Um, but I mean, even there, they've had to let go of a lot of pieces. And, and even there, I don't even know that was a team of superstars. It was like three guys, and they're all still there. And they're probably never leaving. Quick, Doughty, and Kopitar. And Kopitar, yeah. Um, you know, in, in Anaheim, Getzlaff and Perry were best friends. They were able to let each other go. <laughs> Peace, man. See ya. <laughs> it's been fun. It's been a slice. See ya. <laughs> no, like, I, I don't think Perry really had a say in that one after all the injuries. But, but you know what I'm saying? Though? It is what it is. You're still going to spend your summers with them. Your kids are still going to be best friends. Your wives are still hanging out when you guys are playing hockey. Sure. It's a different lifestyle. And I think – 
much doesn't change with their friends. I think what the difference is is in, in Pittsburgh, like Washington, I think there's a group of guys in Washington that have decided they're going to ride it out together. And I think Pittsburgh, their group of guys have either made that same decision or they're about to make a decision on that subject. Well, I think, uh, I think, um, ah, let's see. I think the Washington situation is okay because the fans still are okay with it. They got the cup. What was that? Four years ago. They got the cup. If this team never got the cup, fans would be saying, all right, let's go. Let's break up the band here. Let's freaking go. Yeah. Let's do something. Right. But you're right. Yes. The one cup was all they needed was all that fan base needed. We got one. They still have other things to be excited for with that team. That's all that that team's ever really a disappointment. No, they they're always that, there. They're always, they're always They're always showing up. You always get some postseason action. So, I mean, from a fan base, it's, not, it, it's what you expect out of a DC fan base. It's, it's what they need to stay engaged. Pittsburgh has a different thing. That core has played four cup finals. It's true. Like, I wonder if Pittsburgh actually stunted the growth of a lot of their prospect because of these guys. Same with Washington. Be. Could be, 100%. I mean, it's easy to go from bottleneck to catastrophe very quickly. Right. And I think a lot of teams find themselves in that situation where all of a sudden they go from being like, oh, yeah, we're so deep at whatever position to having nothing. Four years ago, the talk in Winnipeg, I think it was the Hockey News had done that weird article where they're like, oh, the 20-whatever or Stanley Cup champion, Winnipeg Jets. And it was this weird, like, EA sports rendering. <laughs> and it was the weirdest thing. But every Winnipegger, fuck, did they get excited for it. Of oh, course. my God. I was in the office. And some guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, hey, man, did you see, did you see the fucking hockey? Did you see the Hockey News? I'm like, what, what? And he's like, look at this, look at this. We're going to win the Cup. And I'm like, I hope whoever you got that from also sells you lotto numbers. Like, it was that same idea and that same beachfront property in Boise. Absolutely, like it was that same level of bullshit excitement. I'm like, what is happening? But they got so excited. Like, yeah, man, that's right. We're gonna be so good. How crazy is this? I had one time. There was like a few seasons ago. Within the last ten years, the Jets started opening night and they ended up winning the game like nine to two. So basically, the top six Jet players were technically the top six point getters. One guy comes up to me in the office and says, man, look at this. How sick is that? How sick is that? The Jets are the top six point. How sick is that? I wish you could see Sonny's face right now. I he's, so he's, like, he's so excited. He's so excited. How sick is that? How sick is that? Please stop. Please. And he comes to me and he's like, how sick? Please. And I'm like, what happened? I'm like, we played one team. Oh, my God. That they was... forgot to put in the goalie. What a face. We played one game. And then he gets so excited. Man, man. Man, you don't know what you're talking about. I gotta meet this. This is guy. how it's gonna be. I gotta meet this guy. <laughs> I was like, and gets and so excited. But that's what Winnipegers do. That's what every Canadian team do. But Winnipegers are very guilty. Winnipegers are quick to point the fingers at the Torontonians. They're quick to point the finger at the Montreal fans. But they are no different. No different. And as a Winnipegger, I can proudly say that. Anyway. Um, well, I see it in Vancouver right now with the uh, OEL trade. Oh, yeah, we, we got this. The Pacific's weak. We got this. Yeah, you're part of the Pacific, bro. Don't forget that. You're part of that weak Pacific. And you're in the bottom half of that. Although I do like, like Vancouver a little bit. We'll get to that next week with the, uh, with wow. the Western Conference preview show. I want to go here with Philadelphia. This was the team that, that underachieved last year. And they did the most, I think. They were the basic bitches, the extra bitches of the uh, Metropolitan Division. 
what do we do here? We got Ryan Ellis. Uh, they got Sandheim. They got a. They got Sandheim to an extension. They got Keith Yandel. Um, what else? They got. Uh, help me out here. Uh, um, oh, Cam Atkinson. They get Cam right. Atkinson. Didn't they sign Hayes to an extension too? Oh no, um, Couturier, right? Couturier, yeah, Couturier got an extension, and they finally moved on from Nolan Patrick. We all know that about that trade as well. Picked up our boy Martin Jones as well. <laughs> now there you go. But the oh Rasmus Ristolainen, that was the name. That of was it. That was the big one. That was yes. They got the draft night trade with Ristolainen, and so they've made they've done the most. They're protecting Carter Hart with. I mean, three good pairings. I, I can't hate on that. You know, you got Provorov and Ellis, Sandheim and Ristolainen, Yandel and Braun. I don't hate those three pairings. But the situation is they didn't put the thing in the thing last year, and that left right. Carter Hart out to dry. So adding Cam Atkinson uh, to this spot, uh, they've got to get scoring from their top six. Joel Farabee fell off last year. James Van Riemsdyk is just uh, – disappeared yeah i guess that's a good way to put it you're paying the guy seven million dollars and i mean he did have 43 points last year which i think actually led the team it, it might just, have actually i think he kind of slipped under the radar there i think it was one of those things he'll be like a trivia question yeah, who led like, the team he, in points in yeah this which one of these guys led their team in points and it'll be like him and like phil kessel and people will be like oh it was kessel they'll be like eh, it was van reeves like in the shortened <laughs> season yeah, I just, uh, you know, I look at this team, and yeah, you got Kevin Hayes uh, in there as well. He's going to start the season injured. But what happened to Voracek? Is, did they lose Voracek? Didn't they trade him to Columbus for the Atkinson oh, deal? Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I thought yeah, that was yeah. the Atkinson deal. Sorry. Yeah, yeah you're right. Straight yeah, up. You're right. Yeah. Straight up. So this is the team. That's, this is the wild card, in my opinion. They very well could be. I, I mean, I think Couturier has been an under-the-radar one of the most underappreciated centermen in the game for a few years now. I think he doesn't get nearly enough credit because he plays on Philadelphia. But I think that guy is a centerman. He reminds me a lot. He's like a Jordan Stahl type. Okay. You put him in there as a number two role, a number three role, and your team is an instantly better team for it. I don't think he carries your centerman load but I do think you are significantly better having him on your team. Okay, that's, that's fair. I can, I can understand that. I just don't know what to make of this Philadelphia team. I think we know what we're going to get with the Islanders. And then the Metropolitan, to me, is just wide open. With Again, I think you got seven, you got seven teams, six teams, and then a maybe with New Jersey. Let's go into New Jersey here. They've been the talk of the town in terms of the offseason moves. They got Dougie Hamilton. They loved everything about it. They paid him $9 million. Whoopity dee, frickity da. Fucking top nine still sucks, in my opinion. I, yeah. Maybe, I, mean, I mean, Tatar is past it for me. Uh, you know, I, I love Tatar. You know, I have a soft spot in my heart for Tomas Tatar, but good yeah. God, this top, this top nine is just atrocious. It is. Yet, this is. Well, that's why I said, remember a few episodes ago, I said, like, is New Jersey quietly expecting to be good? Like, <laughs> Just ask them, is, they'll tell you. Yeah, like, what is happening here? Um, the, the amount of money they've thrown at second and third tier on paper talent is a little ridiculous. And it seems almost like they've done it to screw other teams. It's not like they've done it to necessarily make themselves better, but it's like they've done it, ha-ha. None of you guys can have. This you don't guy. have Dougie. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have Dougie anymore. Like they went to Colorado. Ha ha. You don't have Graves anymore. 
Like, it, it seemed very much like that idea. Like, anytime you have a fantasy draft, you have that one asshole who has a shitty team but somehow gets Crosby. And, like, and you're like, hey, can I trade? No. I, no. No. Yeah, he's got Connor and 74 <laughs> defensemen. Yeah, exactly. And he's just tied everyone up. But, I mean, I look at the situation. I mean, who do they plan to go with? I mean, what kind of platoon are they going with a goalie? Jonathan Bernier? 33-year-old, and then Mackenzie Blackwood, who's just been, I don't know, very mad. He's 24 in this spot. You know, he's... Jonathan Bernier is my favorite never-a-number-one, number-one goalie. Jonathan Bernier is a guy who probably should have never been a number-one goalie, but who has actually probably had a career as being a number-one more than he wasn't a number-one. And... And it's not a knock on him. I mean, he made it to the NHL level, but I think Jonathan Bernier could have had a very quiet career as a $2.4 million a year backup goalie on a, a, a plethora of contending teams and had a very successful career and probably played on much better teams and in much str- uh, less stressful environments than what he's found himself in. Well, I know he got some run with the Maple Leafs. That didn't, that didn't go well. really work out. He missed the playoffs all three years there. He got a run with Detroit as the number one goalie a couple years ago. And that, that went well. And then he Not. platooned with Gibson and platooned with Varlamov. Neither of the, I mean, they made the playoffs. I don't know. I, I, it's just, yeah, he's just not very good. Not very good. He, he, with Varlamov, that was in Colorado, right? When Varlamov put a Vezina Trophy winning numbers. Um, Correct. You know, so, I mean, they didn't need anybody else in that net. Um. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Bernier could, as I said, but remember, where did he start? He started behind Jonathan Quick, mm-hmm. and it was like Quick went down with an early season injury. He and then Bernier didn't do too badly. He did better than expected in Quick's kind of um, absence, and and he kind of and apparently the big story was that he felt like, wait a second, I think he was even drafted ahead of Quick. That was the crazier thing. I think he was drafted ahead of Quick, but the organization felt like Quick is A, further along in his development, and B, has just got way more upside potential. And that they you know, found this nugget, this golden nugget deep in the draft with Jonathan Quick. And, um, and I could be wrong about all of that, but I, I believe that was the case. And Bernier just felt like he was getting the shaft. He was ready to be a number one guy. I mean, it's easy to have four or five good games in a row. It's good to have a good 12-game stretch. It's, I mean, at that level, you've gotten to the show. Right. right? No, I, like, I can send that. You know, and I think oftentimes that's where these agents get involved. And they're like, hey, man, you're not a $1.75 million backup. You're a $4.3 million starter. Well, what are, they, some... what are they supposed to tell them? By the way, Quick was drafted in 05, Bernier drafted in 06. There you go. So but he was there. theoretically drafted higher. Bernier was a first-round pick. Quick was a third-round pick. There you go. So you are correct in that aspect in the sense of, you know, they went ahead and drafted what they thought might have been the can't-miss guy in Bernier, and, and they did miss. Quick ended up – I mean, Quick theoretically has been uh, – you know, I don't want to get too, too deep in the Western Conference, but he's been – he had a good chunk of his career. I don't. I think those those days are gone, and you can probably agree with that as well. Sadly, yes, I do love Jonathan Quick. I do too. Um, but 
I mean, Jonathan Quick, very arguably for his career when he was in his prime and in his best years, was probably the measuring stick of the Western Conference. To be perfectly honest, like, I would say, yeah, there was always that better years, but they were measured against Quick. When when Rene might have been the best, when whomever might have been the best, it was Quick they were measured against. Well, we were measuring and, against the guy who was just a, a, unbelievable. Same with the the only reason you remember John Sebastian Jaguar is because of that like three year run in the playoffs. Because right. Nobody, nobody wins an MVP. No way wins a Conn Smythe when they lose the finals. You can't especially, do it. I'll say that. Well, and I think it's fun. yeah. Martin Brodeur's won what three cups and never a Conn Smythe. Um, but here's the crazier thing about that. I have a I have a bit of a theory on that. I don't think there's ever, and I could be wrong. But in the modern era, like 1990 plus onwards, I don't think there's been a single goalie who's won the Conn Smythe Trophy who has ever had a game in the Stanley Cup final where they've let in more than four goals. I think every time it's a goalie has won it, they've never let in more than four goals. I know Quick never did when he played both his cup runs. And I mean, even when Justin uh, Williams won the Conn Smythe, Quick was right there as the runner-up. There's no way you're going to tell me that Quick wasn't. Um, I don't think Quick ever had a, um, a game letting in more than four goals. There's an argument for Braden Holtby to even get the Conn Smythe over Ovechkin. That all changed when he let in the five goals or the seven goals in game one against Vegas. Um, Price, he had a seven-goal game this past um, cup final. Nobody was more valuable to their team. In all honesty, I know how much you love Vasilevsky. Nobody was more valuable to their team than Carey Price. And yet they still said, he had a seven-goal game. <laughs> seven-goal games don't get you a Conn Smythe. They get you shaking hands. Now, are you saying specifically in the final? Yes, Conn in the Smythe? Stanley Cup final. I, don't, I think if you were to look it up, I think even if you were to go all the way back to like 1990 and Bill Ranford, I don't think Bill Ranford ever let in five goals or more in a game. I was going to say, because Vassie left it, led a couple in that Panther series where he gave up five, six goals. So that's but in I'm the saying. final, he never did. Tell me one time Vasilevsky's led in five goals in a Stanley Cup final game. You tell me one time. Never. I don't have one. I mean, I'm totally okay with that because I think he let up, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He let up eight goals in five games. Yeah. So that, there's no five-goal games in that. So, so right, let's, uh, let's bring in the <laughs> member of the crew here because he finally decided to join us. And uh, I know I have to, we have to get his opinion in between bites because his food just got there. Spike, what's going on, brother? Dude, it literally, as I was walking into my office to start recording this, the doorbell <laughs> rang for my food being delivered. Do you ever cook? Really goddamn annoying. What? Do you ever cook? Yeah, every once in a while. We would have cooked tonight, but my wife wasn't feeling well. She's like, I really want hot and sour soup because that's going to make me feel better. So I'm like, fine, let's get Chinese. And the place is like, I don't know. I could probably spit from my house and hit this thing, but we we're like, let's just get it delivered. Who cares? And then it took 50 minutes for it to get here. I just, I don't. Oh, know is that that uh, Grand China or whatever? No, no, no. This is a. It, it's a chain. It's China oh China Go Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. China Go Go. Yeah, they suck. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean the the food's not bad, but I don't know why the delivery took so goddamn long. Not that I want to promote anybody who's not our sponsor, but if you're ever in Vegas, in my opinion, Little Dumplings. That's the best that, Chinese food. That is a good joint, yeah. That is a good So we're talking Eastern Conference preview here. We've gone through a 
Couple. How are you talking Eastern Conference preview when I came in? All you're talking about is Jonathan Quick, John Sebastian some, Jaguar. Sometimes and... I have to reel Sonny in. Good he, Lord, man. He's a tangent machine. But, yes, we went from Jonathan Bernier, who is the new probably 1A in New Jersey. Yes, it spiraled out because he did get drafted ahead of Jonathan Quick or a better spot. So that's how we got there. So let's reel it back into the Eastern Conference. We've talked about Philly. We've talked about Pittsburgh. We've talked about Carolina. We're on New Jersey right now. So if you'd like to just give a summation of those four teams, in your opinion, on, on what we think you can expect out of them in the uh, Metropolitan Division. Because in, in Sunny, in my opinion, we have six teams that can definitely make the playoffs. The Devils, at least in their own mind, again, just ask them. They'll tell you they're going to make the playoffs this year. And then Columbus, you know, thanks for playing. Yeah, Columbus – yeah, that that's a participation trophy waiting to happen. Uh, the Devils, I don't know. I think they're kind of interesting because I know, especially with the goalie situation, that they've been trying to rely on uh, – was it, is it Blackwood or Wedgwood? I know that they had both at one point. Blackwood is the young guy, yeah. Blackwood's the young guy, so he's the one that they're really trying to make the 1A of the future. Whether or not that actually pans out to anything that's worthwhile, I don't know. But they – I. I think they're kind of a team to watch for me. They're, they're an interesting case study um, in like rebuilding because they haven't been great, but they keep signing these like random big free agents for one reason or another. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I think they're an interesting watch for this year, especially, but I, I, that division and that even just the Eastern Conference itself is just so brutal. I don't know how they get anywhere just trying to uh, trying to compete with the teams like the Islanders and the Penguins and the Capitals and even the Rangers, which look to be completely rebuilt. And obviously the Hurricanes are going to be, you know, at least a fight every game. Well, yeah, and you look at this, I mean, it's it's – Primarily, like you said, they're trying to rebuild through homegrown talent. I, mean, I can go down the list here. You have two number ones in Heeshear and Jack Hughes. You have a number six in Pavel Zaka. You have a number 12 in Michael McLeod. Then you have another, you know, another few guys that are homegrown here in this spot. You have Ty Smith, who was drafted 17th overall. But then, you, like you said, you have, you know, P.K. Subban out of nowhere, Ryan Graves, Dougie Hamilton, you know, and, and Jonathan Bernier. Like, this team just makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, this is like uh, kind of a really weird example, but it's like when you walk into a bar and it looks like a sports bar, but half the TVs are playing the Weather Channel. And then you're like, all right, just give me a cheeseburger. And it comes out with like all this super fancy shit on it. And it's got like truffle oil and the fries are all these like fancy things. And it's got all these crazy toppings on it. And then you're like, well, you know, the you're trying to talk to somebody, but the music's too loud, but there's no dance floor. Like you just don't know what the identity of the thing is. And that's exactly what we're seeing out of the devils. Like, I don't know what they're trying to do. Are they rebuilding? Then why the fuck did they sign Dougie Hamilton? Are they like, are, 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 and, and Bernier, like, are they trying to just go young? Well then why isn't uh, Blackwood the one a and like, just throw them out there and see what happened. Like, I, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. But again, this division is so tough, it makes more sense not to tank because obviously in the NHL it doesn't work like the NFL where you you know tanking actually guarantees you a number one pick. Um, it, it, it's just like, what are they trying to 
do? Like, do they know that they can't compete, but they don't want to like lose season ticket holders? I just, again, nothing about this makes sense to me. So I I look at this as like the ugliest cheerleader on the squad effect. Oh, I mean, you look still wears a thong, but well, I mean, you know, you're in high school. You're like, I want to date a cheerleader, but you know, you got the. You know, you got the Capitals and you got the Hurricanes and the Sexy Islanders. Like, you know, you're like, man, I got no shot with them. But here's the devil. She stands all the way on the right side. And, you know, she's not terrible to look at most days. And she's still a cheerleader. She's still in the Metro. But let's be honest. I mean, she's not anything you're going to, you know, want to publicly flaunt. So that's how I look at the Devils. I don't want to. (laughs) I don't really want to like them. But there's a chance they could blossom into a a beautiful butterfly. Uh, the odds are low, but uh, that's how I look at it. The cheerleader effect. She's roped in with the cheerleaders, which makes her appealing. But when you, uh, you know, when you separate her from the herd, uh, yikes. Am I, get, am I getting canceled for that one? <laughs> Is that a, a name change for the devils? Like if the religious right rises up against New Jersey, all of a sudden they're going to become the butterflies. <laughs> I just no. want to be, I just want to clarify that my personal view is all the cheerleaders are beautiful. And uh, I have time and love for all of you. Um, but, um, no, I get what you're saying. Even, <laughs> even the Blue Jacket cheerleaders? Even the Blue Jacket cheerleaders. <laughs> even the Blue Jacket cheerleaders. Let me tell you, Jess and I went to high school together. And when I found out she was becoming a cheerleader, it was the saddest day of my life. Because I'm like, oh, no, she's going to date guys that are way cooler than all of them. <laughs> <laughs> But then you look at this, this, this New Jersey Devils team, and if things do go right, a la like expansion Vegas, you know, things, the puck bounces the right way. The, you know, the teams take you lightly. They don't go in with a, a purpose-driven mindset to beat you. We talked about it, Sonny, before Spike joined the air. You know, Carolina, you know, they, they didn't get, they got, they might've gotten worse today than they were in the playoffs last year. They did. They you know, did. Washington, are they over the hill? Did they get the goalie situation filled out? Pittsburgh, you know, what are we doing there? Is this the last hurrah? Does it not work out? Philadelphia, do they, do they stink it up like they didn't? There's a chance that New Jersey could find a way in. No. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I mean, do you, this happened to me one time. This is a true story. So it was, and it's another poker analogy, but you guys will like this one. So it was yeah. during the Deuce to Seven Triple Poker draw. analogy, that's new. Um, first draw, uh, so we're dealt our cards. Um, along the way, early guy, uh, a guy raises, another guy raises, I re-raise, a guy re-raises, the other guys fold, I re-raise, we get a call, we see the, we get to the first draw. The guy fucking pats, I draw, I hit a wheel on my first draw. Um, yes, um, He's first about he bets out, I raise, he raises, I raise, we get through the maximum amount because it's a limit game. Second draw comes around, he bet. Sorry, I bet. No, I would, I guess I would bet. Whatever. Take this matter. With this one. Um, first, second side draw, um, I pat, he pats, the betting happens, we maximize again. Third draw, pat, pat, we get the maximum amount of bets in. And as I'm about to turn my cards, I'm like, we must literally have the same hand. And he's like, what do you have? And at, 
for the record, we were having a great time. We had the best table by this point. We were drinking scotch paid for by this other player at the table. And it was scotch that's way out of my price range. And um, regardless, we get there and I'm like, well, I've got a wheel. <laughs> like, like, why else would I be fucking raising you every fucking, like, every street? Did you forget you were playing Deuce to Seven, though? And, well, a, deuce in, a wheel in Deuce to Seven is the two, three, four, five, seven. Oh, um, um, so yes, I do. I do know what the wheel means in news to seven. Um, but I did have the two, three, four, five, seven. Well, fair enough. I thought and, you were gonna wrap over the uh, ace through five, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. playing <laughs> the wrong game. Thanks. No, I do play mixed triple draw as well. Um, but regardless, um, he flips over. He's like, no, I had a pat eighty seven, and I was like, pat eighty seven. What? He's like, pat eighty seven smooth. He's like, what the fuck else? Two, three, four, eight, uh, seven, eight. And he's like, how do you break that? You catch. I mean, uh, and I'm like, that's insane. Um, what is this I feel what like is this every called? other team looks at the New York Islanders kind of like, do they have the hand we have? Like, is there something here that we're not seeing, but they must have it too? Like, every other team that has a roster that, like, every other team that feels comfortable with their roster has to be looking at the Devils being like, do they have one too? Like, is there something in here that we're not seeing? Why else would you pay Dougie Hamilton nine million a year? Like, I think like that's what gets me about the Devils, is it just seems like it was like, whoa, we made a couple of big mistakes here, and I think we're haha, you can't have that. I mean, wasn't there talks to Hamilton going to Vegas? Like no, Hamilton was expect Hamilton was expected to make a good team better. And instead, he made a good team worse and made a shitty team while still kind of shitty, but now they have Dougie Hamilton. Well, the situation is, is that not only do they have Dougie Hamilton, they can almost get rid of PK. They can get rid of PK after this year. So they kind of replaced PK, who was still theoretically supposed to be in his prime, but dude fell off a freaking map. Yeah. They can replace him with Dougie, who will be 29 next year. Right. If the season goes the way they clearly think it goes, because the problem is, is other than Heischer and uh, and Tatar, they got a lot of work to do next offseason. They got tons of RFAs in, in a situation that, uh, and they left themselves thirteen million dollars in case they are good. Wasn't J- Jack Hughes was a bomb, wasn't he? Like he didn't pan out. Not yet. Not yet. But I think he's only played one year, two years. Okay. Ago. <laughs> well, this is, okay. This is, we're, we're going into his third year entry level. Okay. What was what was Connor McDavid doing his third year entry level? Like, I think this becomes the problem, right? I think this is that mentality. The other GMs must be looking at New Jersey, and be like, okay, I guess he sure is good this year. Like, I think we're running into a problem where it's just like it's mediocrity that has kind What's of been allowed. You're to talking pass- about game changing players like okay so here's the situation since 2010 you have in my opinion like literal changing of players you have four maybe i know owen power the book's out obviously lafreniere hasn't done anything yet no jack hughes again going into his third season at this point darlene average defenseman nothing special yeah you have austin you have connor we can agree on those yeah you have nathan yeah but then you have Ekblad, good defenseman, one of the top tier defensemen. That's fine, but not a game changer. Uh, Neil Yakupov, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, and Taylor Hall. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, true I mean, enough. You're not going to draft. Connor McDavid doesn't grow on the tree every year. No, but I'm even talking when you get into those top two kind of picks. Like, I mean, even when you start looking at second overalls, how many more names are we really adding to that conversation? Not many. Like, it takes a lot to be a game-changing player. But I, we also can't we, – we can't lie to ourselves at a certain point and be like, well, one of these guys has got to be one. Like, I think I, that's the problem. Like, right? Like, well, this has got to be good. Like, I think – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think New Jersey looks at a situation where, to use a NASCAR term, they're just going to draft the field in this. Yeah, it could and be. In, injury to Malkin, injury to Crosby, Pittsburgh. Ooh, they fall out. You know, Ovechkin struggles. Washington's just too old. Whoop, they fall out. Their goalies suck. Whoop, you know, Washington's out. And again, they don't need all of these guys to fall. They just need two of them. Well, I think you're. I think you bring up a valid point too in terms of that. Even that hunger level, right? You get a couple of teams that are hungry in terms of maybe the two New York teams and the Flyers. Well, maybe all of a sudden, yeah. If things, you know, thanks for showing up, Columbus. But, I mean, I feel bad for Columbus. Like, at a certain point, do you just kind of be like, if you guys don't want to come, we'll, like, we'll figure out a point average kind of thing to make it work. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Like, if things don't go well for Pittsburgh, if the Capitals kind of fall off, if the Hurricanes can't keep up with those top teams, well, yeah, maybe you're right that maybe just what New Jersey has is a ragtag uh, group of guys that are good enough. And let's actually play devil's advocate here. Let's not just write off. I mean, let's look at Columbus. If you can get this team motivated, Patrick Laine, um, Jack Roslovic from, from Winnipeg, you'd know more about him than I would. Uh, you still have Boone Jenner. You still have Nyquist. You, still, you have Jacob Voracek in the place of Cam Atkinson. Um, you still have one of the better defensemen in Zach Wierenski. Uh, they just acquired Jake Bean from Carolina, who's a pretty decent little young defenseman. And then they have the two goalies that we fell in love with two years ago in Merzlikens and Corpusalo. Yeah. They might not be a complete dumpster fire here. Again, though, I think they're kind of, or was that overachievement? I maybe mean, we it, like, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I mean, they made the playoffs the last two years. Didn't they make the playoffs enough, last year? Correct? True enough, but they don't have, what's his name behind the bench anymore? They don't have Torts behind the bench. Who do they have? Was he there last year? Torts was there last year. Did they fire him? Okay. They walked away from each other. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we can call it that. <laughs> I think, but, but I think other than this past season, I think this is the first time they hadn't made the playoffs in like four years. And they just parted ways. Does Max Domi play for this team next year too? And he's, on a, he's, he's still there. He's still there. But, I mean, it's one of those things, like, we talked about how the Torts message doesn't have the same duration as other coaches. But – even though it's run out its duration, maybe that was what you were going to get out of that Columbus team. Truthfully, like maybe he did get the most you could squeeze out of that fruit. I, I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> and I, I could absolutely buy it. I think one of the problems with Columbus is, uh, you know, again, we're, we're looking at a team, not even like a mid-major market. I mean, this is just like bottom of the barrel market. And a buddy of mine is actually – in Columbus, and he takes his kid to a game whenever he can. They actually, I know it's preseason, but they got two tickets directly behind the bench for $49 all in. Jesus. 
Well, we all live in markets where hockey, oh. hockey tickets are – it's football season. Ohio State's there. Columbus has never been a known, you know, commodity. And, you know, the Blue Jackets have never been a known commodity. Hell, the Columbus Clippers might be more popular. <laughs> <laughs> the freaking AAA team that might be more popular in that spot. But, you know, the cupboard's not bare here. I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. They got a $12 million in salary cap space. They can move at the deadline if things don't work out. They can – Hey, and – I mean, that's if football's happening right now. Football's not happening in March, right? Like that's the difference. They probably that. I mean, that could all be well and understood. Hey, we're giving away forty nine dollars tickets now. Those are two hundred dollars tickets when we get good. Well, I told, down the stretch. I, I, I told you guys this. I bought nine rows from the ice in the Stanley Cup final in Tampa, Florida, for uh, three hundred and eighty bucks a seat. That um, that would be six mortgage payments in Vegas. That, yeah. Yes. You guys wouldn't have moved. You wouldn't have moved houses. <laughs> that would have been the difference. It's the difference, you know. Like, you know, I, I don't know how it works in Canada, but like, I can't imagine Ottawa Senators tickets are just flying off the shelves right now. Well, that was a disappointment. Like, that was a thing. Like, it's such a, um, a fluid market there in terms of um, flexibility based on uh, on the team's success. That. I mean, people forget they were one goal away from winning the cup from the cup final. Getting to the five, cup, yeah. yeah, five years ago, and then they were they dismantled a winning product. And the weird thing was, is that was a product that was truly only one or two pieces away from being there. The Florida Marlins of the NHL, you know, <laughs> so they don't win like, the cups. So they don't win the cups. <laughs> You know, and it was just like, what is happening? I, it was no different than when they had made the cup final in 07 against Anaheim. And uh, they just dismantled that team. Heatley's in, in San Jose. Alfred's in De- is in Detroit. Spezza's on cocaine. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, we could edit that out if we want, or we could just use it for comedic humor. Um, yeah. but Nothing gets edited. This is the unedited, unhealthy <laughs> script. Oh, um, I mean, Laline is just sucking back limes and margaritas. Like, it, it is what it is. Well, that's a good spot to transition to the Atlantic here, talking about Ottawa, because as much as we just talked about six, maybe seven teams really competing for playoff spots in the Metro, probably – at least, you know, obviously at least four, but maybe five spots. And I don't know, maybe the Atlantic gets the four because I think we, you know, we just had the Montreal Canadiens make the Stanley Cup final and no one really cares to put them in the playoffs this year in a full 82-game season, even in the Atlantic. So let's move over to that one. You have Buffalo. We can air them out. They have so many problems, just not even including the Jack Eichel situation here. Uh, Detroit's not ready or are they ready? So let's talk about Detroit and Buffalo, who – or let's talk about Detroit, Buffalo, and Ottawa. Let's get them all lumped in here. Like, is there any chance that any of these teams could surprise anyone? I mean, of the three, it has to be Detroit, right? Well, I think so too, especially with Nedeljkovic now. Right, and I think that's – so this is the problem that Bruins fans had for a number of years where they wanted to tank but the front office wouldn't get rid of Tuka Rask, which meant that they were too good to truly tank. So they were always going to win enough games so that they didn't finish at the bottom of the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that with Nedeljkovic and with some of the other pieces, and you know that's kind of a, uh, a, a budding team. I don't think they're ready yet, but I think they get closer than 
Buffalo or Ottawa. Although Ottawa's interesting. I, I think Ottawa has weird, nice pieces at times, but I think that's about it, right? <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's not like, again, there, there's no consistency through there. And I mean, this is a team with what, 20 some odd million in cap space available. Mm-hmm. So obviously they're not spending a ton. I feel uh, like, go ahead. No, you're good. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like with Ottawa, it, like what you said, this is a team that has some weird pieces. It's like when you even look at Matt Murray, it, I can just see when his career is over, like him having like uh, his buddies, they're out in Vegas and him being like, hey, you know, for guys who have won two Stanley Cups and one of his friends chiming in being like, you were the worst to do it. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like that's kind of where he's going to fall in in his career. Like, it's so incredible. Was he the worst at the time, though? I don't think so. He played out of his mind for two years when he was healthy. Did he? Did he, though? Didn't do you think that? Do you think they needed him to win that second cup? Well, no, but they had a Hall of Fame goaltender in Marc-Andre Fleury. If they had – if they had – he's in there now, uh, Spike, so sorry. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, you know he is, Spike. He's in the sentimental now. vote. He's in the people's vote. Yeah, he's yeah. in there now. His name might as well be Manning in terms of <laughs> at this point. Um, if you don't – if you have insert traditional backup goalie here, if you insert Chris McElhaney, they're not winning a cup. Right. If you insert Louis Domingue, if you insert Anton Forsberg, they're not winning a cup. True. But you're inserting Marc-Andre Fleury, who won them nine of the 16 games. Yeah, nine exactly. Something like that. You know, it, it was pretty ridiculous what he did. It's, it's just it's crazy. Like, but that's the crazy thing about, about Ottawa. They do still have a two-time Stanley Cup goalie in their net. But you're still like, he's part of the worst pairing in the NHL. Like, and the widely recognized worst pairing in the NHL. Like, they're bottom four on everybody's list. And it's exactly what you said, Spike. Like, wait a second. He could be good sometimes, but it's not what Ottawa needs. I mean, is there, right. any, is there anyone out there, Spike, putting Ottawa in the playoffs? Oh, I can't imagine anybody is. But, I mean, like, they've still got Brady Kachuk. Not yet, they don't. They got freaking. Suck. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they get. They, but I mean, they'll, they'll they'll get that done. I mean, that's not a problem. But they picked up Zach Sanford. I mean, that's a a good pickup for their depth forwards. That's a little bit of beef. That's a little bit of uh, uh, of scoring touch there. They, you know, it's just like, uh, is Delzato worth a damn? I think so. So I mean, that's another one where it's like, okay, they've they've got a couple of players, but. I mean, they're certainly not going to be buyers at the trade deadline. We can we can rule that out right now. Well, I don't even think St- I don't even think Stoitzel finishes the season there. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I mean, he'll finish there. He'll finish there. Stop that. You- stop that. <laughs> but you talk about Delzato. If you believe cap friendly, he's not even going to make this team. He's the seventh. He's probably the eighth defenseman on this team. If you believe cap friendly, you think he gets uh, left out for Nick Holden? I said, if you believe cap friendly. Ah, okay. But yeah, Michael Delzato, the old Islander. Um, and then I think he was in Vancouver for a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm probably done with Michael Delzato. Wasn't he in the, wasn't he for the Rangers? Wasn't there a Delzato that played for the Rangers? I thought that was Del Cole. But no, you're right. He was with the Rangers early in his career. You're right. And then he went. 
Philly and Vancouver and then Anaheim and then here. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, no. His days are better. Yeah, I mean, what's he costing them? I don't know that. I don't know that a Michael Delzato at your seventh spot. Two million dollars. Yeah, well. He could be the eighth defenseman and he makes more than four of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. Well, I guess you're not bringing him in for two million to, for him to, you know, just be a taxi, grab bench. taxi yeah, guy. Grab yeah. bench. Maybe they're bringing him in as the fact that, like, Eric Brandstrom's just not working out right now. Yeah. He, what a disappointment he's turned out to be. For as much as we tout, uh, you know, the Golden Knights' ability to draft Suzuki and, you know, maybe Glass, I don't know. Could but, he have been good in the in the Knights system, though? I mean, Brandstrom probably not. No, you don't think so. I, I think he could have been better. But I think he could have been White Club. No, no, you don't think, with <laughs> no. no pressure. Like, there's no pressure on White Cloud. There's no there'd no. be no pressure on Brandstrom. No, because the difference is White Cloud is uh, is physically significantly stronger than uh, than Brandstrom, and I think that's a huge part of his game that's underlooked. No, that's fair. Uh, I think we've uh, I think we've spent more time on Ottawa than I cared to. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Do you think that the that that Suzuki trade bringing him over that now he's in the Atlantic Division away from Vegas after it was such a gem of a pick? Like, do you think that's one of those ones we look back on and be like, you know, that kind of changed the landscape for at least one of the teams involved? There's a chance we look back on that as the worst trade in, in Golden Knights franchise history. Yep. Yeah. Not only with that, again, I, I like Tatar more than most people, uh, but Tatar, I mean, even in the two years it took for Suzuki to get to the league, Tatar was a 20-25 goal scorer in that spot too, and Pacioretty right. really had problems staying on the ice. He did score 30, but, you know, if they would have found a way, Montreal would have found a way to keep Tatar on that team too, especially losing Kakaniemi. I don't know. I mean, obviously we knew that, that that breakup was inevitable after being benched for the postseason, um, but – yeah, that trade could go – especially – that trade could go down as the worst because they were so adamant to not give up Cody Glass. Yep. And then two years later or three years later, they basically gave up Cody Glass for another version of – a bigger version of Cody Glass, basically. Yeah. Well, I don't even well, kind of that much credit. Well, that's what I was kind of getting at. Like, it's a – when you look at that, like, that was an instantaneous building block for Montreal. And as you said, Montreal losing the Thomas Tatar, especially when you're losing Kotkaniemi, where they're getting Drew and back, aren't they? Like, that's the thing. Hopefully they are, yes. Um, like, that's an interesting thing. I mean, you put Suzuki, if you take him off of Montreal, all of a sudden those other moves are, I mean, they're easy to make. Now all of a sudden, what is the reason to keep a Tatar around? But, and then you look at what Vegas, and we can get into that next week. But it's like, whoa, that's a depth, a different maker, a difference maker that, I mean, that puts them over the edge against Vancouver. Yeah, well, no, of course. But I'm just looking at I, I mean, mean again, uh, sorry, Dallas. It was Dallas that they lost to. That, yeah. that beats Dallas. Oh, two years ago? Yeah. I yeah, see. that beats Montreal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'm just saying I look at this, at this roster, and, and now that I, I'm really, really hardly looking at it or looking at it hard, I mean, the only argument for keeping Tatar on this roster is probably Yoel Armia. Just, just based on salary numbers alone that, that Tatar would be comparable with. Everybody else that he's comparable with in salary, he's, he's not as good as. I mean, Mike Hoffman, Brendan Gallagher, Josh Anderson, Jonathan Druin, Caulfield, Toffoli. Tatar's not beating those guys out. No. 
So, I mean, I understand why it's gone. I'm just saying, like, if you could find a way to keep Tatar in that spot too, then, geez, that could be a really – this could still be a really strong team in Montreal. And I think, you know, we talk about the Atlantic, you know, and how good the Metropolitan is. I still think the Atlantic's going to get four teams. You don't think between Montreal, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, and Florida, they can't get four teams? Yeah. One, they can't get one team better than, than the Metro. I mean, we just, how much did we just talk about how, how many potential, you know, fall offs we could have? I mean, I said Pittsburgh, you said maybe Washington, even though they're your team. We don't know what, to, we don't know what the devils are. Um, are we still ready? I mean, we didn't talk about, actually, I didn't, we didn't really talk about the Rangers here, um, not to bounce all the way back, but we didn't even talk about the Rangers. Do we really, how do how how confident are we? We know they got physical, but did they? Can they do the thing and put the thing in the thing? I mean, can they do that now? Put the I thing think he, in the thing. All right. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, I don't know because I think uh, you know when you factor in the fall offs in the Met versus the Atlantic, I think you you do have a very big divergence um, in the Atlantic. Like you have two, you have three to four teams that pull themselves away. That fourth team, maybe. Who's the Compared fourth to the, team? Maybe Boston? I think Boston is still probably a playoff team. I think Tampa Bay, Florida's a maybe. Maybe? Mont- you think Florida's a maybe? Wow, okay. Toronto. We're on different spots here. I don't know that Bobrovsky has playoff runs in him still. But we're not talking about playoff runs. We're talking about just getting to the playoffs. Okay, I don't, well, that's what I mean. Like, I don't know that he has – he's a playoff goalie. Like, I don't know that he's getting to the playoffs is what I'm saying. But we still um, have Spencer – well, I say we. They still have Spencer Knight there. They do, and then they have a $10 million um, a year goalie sitting on their bench. Like, that's a problem. Of course um, it is. But, but we had the same problem in, in, in Vegas as well. You know, you have $7 million sitting on your bench. But I think the difference – the one thing I will say about the Vegas and the way they built that was that it could work within a certain framework and maybe they felt it had expired. But for the last couple of years, it was a situation they were kind of all in. And I do believe Vegas disappointed the last two seasons. I truly believe they missed an opportunity to have been at least in back-to-back cup finals, if not having won back-to-back cup finals. Like, I think that I, I do think they messed up. I do think we should have seen, kind of like we did with Pittsburgh and Detroit, um, Vegas and uh, Tampa Bay back to back years. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. Let's get back to the. I think the Panthers are one of those teams that did get better. And I think in the Atlantic, when you can feast on Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, and again, maybe Montreal, and when you can feast on Columbus being in your same conference. I don't see. Um, I don't see why you can't. You can't. Ask. Yeah, I do like it for. I'm saying I do like it for Panthers. What I'm saying in the maybe is that there's Tampa Bay. Tampa and I Bay still think is still the measuring stick in that division. Um, until they shoot. Until they're you know, not. Yes. Like when you win back-to-back cups, you're still the measuring stick. Doesn't matter what. We just, your we just have to looks. see how their bottom six meshes. Right. Um, I think you have a bunch of which one of these possible permutations fills up uh, the rest of the division and yeah you have boston in there in my opinion you have toronto you have florida after that's a pretty big drop i mean we talked about this a couple episodes with carrie price where i said might be unpopular might be controversial but it's fact pecorine was a better goalie um what 
I mean, we got some shit for that on Twitter, by the way. They just a lot of Canadians fans just could not, could <laughs> not get past that block. They, hey. like, there's absolutely no way Pekka Rene is better than 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 Carey Price. I said, buddy, just look at the numbers, man. Yeah, you, you want to look at those people? Like you do know the Earth is flat, think, right? If you think, like, Pekka, you if you think Pekka's not in, then Carey's not in. Yes. Oh yeah, I got blocked by two people. Uh, but, but that yeah, wow. But those are facts. Like, people have a hard time sometimes accepting facts. Montreal wasn't a playoff team last year. Like, I, it was, there was one of the talk shows, one of the, one of the, got a hot one, run. Yeah, hot yeah, run. One of the hockey, one of the sports shows in, up here in Canada, a Canadian sports show. They were talking about, and they're like, oh, the Canadians, like, if they don't get Carey Price in, like, are they still a playoff team? And one of the guys, like, the rest of the, like, panel looked at him, like, whoa, dude, careful. And he looked at them and he was like, Montreal wasn't a playoff team last year. Why are we talking stills? Who are we saying still for? Montreal's not still anything. Like Montreal wasn't a playoff team last year. They're not a playoff team this year, and that's kind of the way it is. Well, let's like I don't know that. Go ahead. Sorry, I I don't know that because I think even when you look at some of those metropolitan teams, that yeah, they might not be a top three in the Met anymore. They're still better than Montreal. Sure. No, I, I can understand that. But that's what I'm saying. That's Montreal we're looking at as the fifth team if, if, yes, you, at best. if everything shows form. Yeah. But I'm looking at Boston here, man, I, and let's move over to Spike here because I understand the perfection line is there. Taylor Hall, can he replicate what he did last year in, in spurts? I mean, Charlie Coyle seems to be irrelevant but clutch. Can I, can I, can, is that a, is that a decent, <laughs> I mean, is that a decent, he's just so invisible until he's just like, oh shit, there's Charlie Coyle in the right spot at the right time. I don't know. Like their bottom six doesn't really, you know, do anything great for me. I thought, you know, uh, no sick. I, I thought, you know, he was average here. Eric Kala, cool. It's a cool story, but the, the goalies, when did Linus Olmark become like some, oh, got to look out for Linus Olmark. Dude, dude was in Buffalo, man. They fucking sucked. Yeah, and I, I think there are a number of questions for Boston this year uh, that we really just need to wait and see. Number one is going to be the goalie situation. If Tuka Rask doesn't come back until January, February, like after the Olympics, that is a huge issue. That's going to be a number of games that they are going to lose or, you know, really have to fight to stay in to get those points to, you know, obviously climb what is a very difficult division. And how do they sign Uh, him? They have no money. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. They're going to have to make moves in order to get that done, which, um, let me see. It will depend on how much he wants too, because you look at like, Okay, if you're going to sign them for the rest of that year, you're looking at maybe, what, two, three million dollars. Now, can you move somebody like, you know, Chris Wagner? Can you move someone like DeBrusque at the deadline who's going to be a free agent? Yeah, and DeBrusque, God, what a terrible signing that was. Um, you know, that, <clears throat> the other question for Boston isn't necessarily the depth. It's that 2C. If it is Charlie Coyle who, like you said, disappears until he becomes clutch, you know, great, I guess. Like, you know, that that helps. But, 
you know, we saw that Taylor Hall needs a good center to play with. And if Coyle isn't it, then I don't, do they promote Hala to 2C? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions down the middle for Boston that I just don't know that they can answer. And uh, that has me quite concerned. I think I, I sort of disagree with you. I think Nosek, even though he's streaky as hell, I actually compared him to Brian Daubach on the, uh, uh, the Bruins Reddit page because he is that level of streaky. Like, I don't think he defines streaky as injured and not injured for no sec. No, no, I, no, I, I, I think like Dobok. I have no idea why that was so funny because Dobok for the because that's his streak. He's either, sometimes he plays for 10 weeks or he's, he's in. No, I can't he, stay he, healthy. He he's the kind of guy that will for twenty games put up like twenty-five points, make great plays, make great defensive plays, show up on the score sheet every night, and then the next twenty games he'll have two points, make tons of mistakes, get thrown in the penalty box, and just be a general jackass. Like that's the kind of streaky that I'm worried about with Nosek. If he can find consistency, then he's great. Like what better like fourth line winger is out there at this point, but he just, he needs to be able to, to play to that level each and every night. And I just don't know that we're seeing that. So hopefully we do, hopefully he makes it better, but. Um, I mean, would we, in a situation here, we, we, we have the class, the four, the four teams, Florida, Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, in my opinion. And if it's not in your opinion, you can speak up now, but. Do, who, if anybody takes that step back, we don't think it's Toronto. We don't think it's Tampa. You guys think it's Florida or Boston? I, I think Boston is going to make a run at the end of the season. I feel, but the beginning of the season, I think, is going to be a little bit tougher for them. Because I'll be honest, I mean, the the top six, I'm not worried about in Tampa. It's how does the bottom six gel? I mean, Corey Perry and Pat Maroon are seasoned veterans. Same goes with Pierre Edouard Belmer. They won't have a problem coming in, doing their job, not trying to look for the spotlight. But now you have Matty Joseph, you have Ross Colton. Ross Colton is the hero from game five, the only goal scored in the cup clincher. You have a rookie, um, Alex Barbouillet, however the hell you say his name, uh, who had limited action last year in the whole Nikita Kucherov um, situation here. But I think they'll ultimately be okay. So it's Florida and Boston, and if maybe Montreal can sneak into one of those spots. Jake Allen is could be decent, I guess. I don't know. I mean, who else? Who else becomes a problem in there? I mean, we ought, we can rule out Buffalo. We can probably rule out Detroit. We can rule out Ottawa. We still think they only get four teams, correct? Oh God, I can't imagine they get a uh, a fifth out of the Atlantic. It would be so like, who's a fifth team better than? <laughs> like, who are they better than? Well, you look at the Metro. We probably pencil in the Islanders. Yes. You can probably pencil in the Hurricanes, most likely, because Freddie Anderson can get you there. You could yes. probably pencil in one of the Caps or Penguins, and let's call it two of the you know two of them out of Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington. Then you have Rangers, and then one of those teams who did struggle, and can they be better than the four teams in the Atlantic? Because the Atlantic, they get to beat up on the Ottawa's, Montreal's, Detroit's, and Buffalo's of the world. That's yeah. That becomes a distinct thing. It's and like if, Mon- t- 
if Montreal can beat up on the Ottawa's, Detroit's, and Buffalo's, there's a chance they get. But or but does it become a thing where Toronto's one of those teams that's getting beat up on? Because who is it? Jack Campbell and who's the other goalie? Uh, you have Jack Campbell and you have um, Peter Mrazek. Ooh, I don't hate um, that. Yeah, I like, I, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't hate it, but I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily a step up from Anderson and Campbell, for instance. I think it's a weird situation there. And I mean, until one of those guys step forward, Toronto could be one of those teams that become a semi beat on team versus a team doing the beatings. And that's kind of where they found themselves last year a little bit, like losing those series that they was just like, what the hell is happening here? And it was like, oh, snap, you guys just didn't want to play. Okay, I get it. Well, okay. the situation is how, how much did Zach Hyman matter to this team? Right. Because the team is intact. I mean, minus Joe Thornton. They lose Kapanen, Hyman, and Thornton. Yeah, well, they traded Kapanen back to Pittsburgh to get the, uh, the Jared McCann, right? So, right, yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. they could lose Jared and McCann. They, did they keep Spezza? What happened with Spezza? They kept Spezza, right? Spezza is there, yes. Uh, yeah, on the floor. yeah, and they got Zach, uh, Spike's favorite player, Andre Kaja. There you go. Oh, there you go, Spike. You have a reason to tune into Leaf games now. It's <laughs> <laughs> what you always wanted. That's so it's, right. So it's going to be fun. I know we made these predictions a few months ago, maybe weeks ago, or however you look at it. But uh, we'll sign off here with this. Sonny, give me your give me your your eight playoff teams in the East. You don't have to be in order. Just give me your right All right. I think out of the Atlantic, you're only seeing three teams. I think uh, you're going to see uh, t- Tampa, Florida, and Boston. Uh, just because I do like Spencer Knight. I do think um, in the event Bobrovsky uh, fucks around, I do think Spencer Knight's ready to take that. And I think just Florida has a different problem on their hands. I think the rest of their team is good enough. You have Sasha Barkov up front. You do have Ekblad. Yeah, Ekblad's uh, maybe a generational defenseman. He's not shitty at what he does. Not at all, no. Um, so I think that could be your three teams out of the Atlantic, which now leaves the Met completely open, which I think you kind of have it self kind of self-resolve. And I think you have both New York teams make it. I think you could I think you will see a bounce back year from Philadelphia. And then I think it's gonna be one uh or sorry, two out of the three between um Washington, Pittsburgh, and Carolina. I can get down with that. I think that's how you see that, the Eastern Conference playing out. Wow. Agree, Spike? I mean, I can't theoretically agree with Toronto missing. It just it, it doesn't sit right with me. I'd, I'd put Toronto in before I put Boston in, to be perfectly honest. Uh, mm. But I, I, I think it's I think it's four and four. I think it's an even split. I think it's Boston, Florida, Tampa, and Toronto from the Atlantic. The Met gets you uh, the sort of the usual. Well, not I won't say all the usual suspects. I'll say uh, Islanders, Flyers, Penguins. And I'll say the Devils. I'll say the Devils sneak in. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking the weird kid to prom. I, 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 I am. I, I'm, I'm being that uh, I, I'm being that weirdo. But, yeah, I think – I don't know. I, 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 
I, I think the strong stays strong, and I think you know we get a couple of weird ones that pop in. All right, fair. I can I can see that. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, maybe maybe throw some some curveballs here. I I think we get. I think we get a four and four split as well. I'm going to say that the Panthers, the Leafs, the Lightning, and Montreal get in. I think Boston finds itself on the outside. I could see it. And then in the Metro, I think we get Islanders. I think they're the class. Yep. Bounce back from Philly. I think they just made too many moves that made their team better on paper. Islanders, Philly. I think Carolina is good enough with Anderson to make the playoffs. And then, like I said, now you've got a situation where you've got the Capitals and the Penguins, one of them looking on the outside. I still don't like the Rangers, so I'm going to go the Capitals. The Capitals get that last, you know, the wild card right there. Uh, yeah, I left out the Capitals. I'm just – I don't know. There, there's something about the Capitals that doesn't sit right with me that I just – I couldn't put them in. I know it's kind of a – between Washington and Pittsburgh, one of them gets in. I just uh, – there's something about the Caps that just uh, – I, I find very odd, and I'm not convinced that they can uh, that they can sustain a full season of good hockey. Yeah, I mean, they just they didn't do anything. If this team stays as it is, they got Mantha for a full season. This team didn't do anything major. They didn't. Yeah. I mean, they have they're almost bringing back the exact team, except for um, no, I mean it's the same team. It's just basically. Nothing. They have. They have. They have. They have the same team. I don't see anything that they uh, that they did this offseason. They, yeah. they they let VTech you know get drafted, then they got them back. They they've got the exact same team. A team that can make the playoffs. Uh, I think they can get in. I just you know they're one year older. That's the thing. You know you look at the uh, you know the Ovechkins, the Backstroms, the Oshies, even Kuznetsov is now in the thirties. Lars Eller. Carlson, Orlov. You know I can go on and on. They're all in their thirties now. So again, another run with no pressure because they got the one in 18 so i don't know it, but like i said the metro could literally go anyway i mean new jersey could actually make it i mean they believe they can so why not yeah so yeah the eastern conference to me and uh do you think the eastern conference is easier to predict because i look at the western conference and there are some there are some scary things i don't know what to make of the pacific just yet i get a week to decide especially after i get to watch some games but that's central. Another central in the metropolitan. I think you still. I think even there, you've got six quality teams in Nashville and Arizona. I I think I think the only easy division to predict is the Pacific because you can just automatically rule out every team from California. Um, Maybe then, a lot of people think uh, Los Angeles is a, a sleeper. The Devils oh, of it. the Devils of the West. Oh, stop it! Oh, what absolute nonsense that is. Maybe so. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up there. We appreciate the sponsor, Eden Zerbals, for sponsoring us every podcast. Please make sure you visit our link tree, which is located on our Instagram, which is located on our Twitter. Both those handles are at TUS Hockey Pod. If you go click those link trees and click the Eden Zerbals logo, use the promo code TUS Pod to get 15% off of your total order. Please make sure that you do that. It lets them know that you came from us and we appreciate you guys supporting the podcast so for sunny for spike we hope you enjoyed the eastern conference preview show here next week we do have the western conference and when the season gets going speaking of western conference we are going to have an interview with uh, emergency goaltender brad Scholl, who was the eg during the king's cup runs 
and boy, does he have some stories to tell us. I can't wait to have him on when the season starts. So, uh, again, for Spike, for the dude, Sonny D, I am Aaron. We appreciate you guys listening. We will catch you on the next one.